Luke chapter 22, and I know I asked you to turn to 1 Peter, and that certainly is where our text is going to be, 1 Peter chapter 1. But in, in Luke chapter 22, we have what sometimes we call the Last Supper, sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper, but it's where Jesus gathered up his disciples in the upper room as we depicted in the in He's Alive. And he had that Last Supper, and he, he talked to them, and he made some challenges to them. But Peter, particularly, he gave Peter a challenge, and he gave Peter a commandment. He said in Luke 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. Anybody feel like you've been sifted like wheat this year? Yes. 23 has been a painful year. 23 has had a lot of stuff. Anybody feel like the, the devil's been sifting you like wheat? I'm going to give you something right now if you've been sifted like wheat and, and you feel like you're in that sifter. Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Amen. How awesome is it that the Son of God is seated at the right hand of the Father praying right now on your behalf, sifted like wheat or not. But, but he gave this commandment. He said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So what we're reading here this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, is part of the fulfillment of that commandment. This is part of the strengthening of the brethren. As Peter wrote this letter, it is the strengthening of the fellowship. It is the strengthening of the body of Christ, which is the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Look down at verse number 8. Peter's talking about Jesus said, Whom having, having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Down in verse 14 through 16, he says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. Anybody make any mistakes before you knew better? And, and, and anybody lived in life? But that, that was prior to. He said that we did some former lust in our ignorance. Verse 15 says, But that he which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of, of conversation. And then he says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It is written means it is already there. It's Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. But in verse 18, Peter says, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing that ye have, or seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. <clears throat> Verse number three has got two words in it. That, that, this is the text. This is, this is where we'll spend a few minutes this morning. He says, being... Born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever and ever. I want to look for just a few minutes this morning on that subject right there. Born again. God, thank you so much that we come to you born again. 
that we truly are born in the Spirit, washed in the blood, redeemed of the Lamb, name written in glory because of what you've done for us. God, we love you. Father, you've been good to us. We ask you, would you just continue to move in this place? Help us, Father, to learn more about you, to draw closer to you. Above all, help us to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, <clears throat> amen. So, obviously, here we are in the Christmas season. And I want to say again, because it seems like we were just here. I mean, we almost just got last Christmas paid off, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, here we are again, the, the choir singing Christmas music and, and the children's Christmas play next week. And, and, and it's the time of year, of course, that we, we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But why did Jesus come? The song, the second song they just sang said, born to give them second birth. That's what we're talking about this morning Born again. That, that, that's why Jesus came. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. Jesus said that he came to save that which was lost. But, but if you look at, at Luke's recording of it, Luke adds another word in chapter 19 and verse number 10. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. This last song they just sang said, Gloria, our Savior, found us. Anybody glad to be found? Anybody glad to be ransomed and redeemed of the Lamb? Our Savior found us. So Jesus came looking for us in our lost condition. That's, that's the whole purpose of Christmas. Jesus came to find us in our lost state to, to make a difference in our lives. Yes, it, it took the cross. It, it took the empty tomb. It took the ascension back to the Father. It took the coming of the Holy Spirit. But it all began at Bethlehem. So, so we worship and, and we praise in this Christmas season. John chapter 3, there's a very familiar passage. One of the members of the Sanhedrin council, one of the higher-ups, if you will, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, <clears throat> except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. Those words mean truly, truly. Jesus says, pay attention. I'm about to give you some, some true words. When he says verily, verily on the front end, he says truly something is coming that, that we really need to pay special attention to. So he says, truly, here's something you need to pay special attention to. I say unto this, that the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is like, what? He, he, he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily. Truly, truly, make sure you understand that I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He said, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. So when, when you and I were born, we, we had no say-so in the matter. We, we had... No control whatsoever. If you picked your birth and you had your mom and dad put it all together and you determined when you were going to be born, go ahead and stand up. Come on up here and tell us about that. I'd like to hear. 
and I'm sure a lot of others of us would have some interest in your story. The reality is we came, we were born into this world, and we had absolutely no control over that. And according to Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, after this to judgment. So, so we have absolutely no control over that. So we were born once with no control. And we will die once with no control. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God's promise was fulfilled. God had told them that they would surely die. If they did what they were told not to do, they would surely die. And God's promise became reality because they did surely die. But just like us, a lot of times when we, got, we think we got things figured out, God has a different plan than that. <clears throat> they didn't have it exactly right. They didn't die the way they thought. They died in the Spirit so that the Holy Spirit departed. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus arose and ascended to give us new life through a chosen birth. See, the, the first birth comes and we have no choice. The first death comes and we have no choice. But the second birth comes only by choice. And whether or not there is a second death is the result of that choice. So as we are born, so shall we die. That, that is the two advents of life that, that we have no control over. But for those who are born again, which is to be born in the spirit, the Bible tells us that the second death hath no power. That's what the bumper sticker means. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. That's exactly what it's talking about. For those that are born again, the second death hath no power. So Jesus came to pay for our sins, to conquer death, so that the Holy Spirit could come and we can be born again. So when we're born again, the Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ. That means that things should be different. And the fact is God has never saved a soul that he didn't intend to change. God had a plan for our life, and at the moment of salvation, we got on the right path to the right plan so that God could begin to make some changes. You know, has anybody ever sat in the yard and, and just watched a caterpillar crawl, crawl across your yard? Anybody ever go out in your yard or your flower garden or go out by the pool, and you look around through the flowers, and you find a caterpillar on one of the leaves, and you just sit there and watch the caterpillar eat the leaf off the plant? Have you ever gone to a caterpillar farm and just watched as mounds of caterpillars are inside and, and they put plants in for the caterpillars to just devour the leaves? See, I check, odds are pretty good that you haven't done that. I, I checked on Google, and according to Google, there's really no such thing as a caterpillar farm. Every time you try looking for a caterpillar farm, it automatically reverts you over to the butterfly farm. Anytime you start trying to look at something of, of a caterpillar or a farm and the raising of things up, it begins to, to talk about the butterfly. So, so nobody really sits in the yard and watches the caterpillars eat the leaves off your plant. That, we put stuff on the plants to keep them from doing that. That's what seven dust is for. But most everybody enjoys when you're sitting out in the yard and you got the flowers and everything's beautiful watching the butterfly. They add so much color and it's just a gentleness to what they do, and they, they get the nectar from the flowers and go to another, and they pollinate, and it makes more things grow. There, there's just something beautiful about just, just watching butterflies, so much so that they may not have <clears throat> caterpillar gardens, but they got some butterfly gardens. They got them down at Callaway Gardens. 
They got them at Costa Rica where the mission team's going to come. And they got big old blue butterflies. That thing is gorgeous, man. Like he got light bulbs in him. Aruba's got butterfly farms. You go down to Destin. Y'all go to Destin, Florida? Destin has a butterfly farm. I mean, people go to the beach, and you're there to relax on the beach and enjoy the sunshine. They take time out of their vacation to go to, to a butterfly farm. What is the difference between a destructive caterpillar and a beautiful butterfly? It's a rebirth. It, it, it's a transformation. It is a, a metamorphosis. For, because it goes through a process of regeneration. For, for you and I, regeneration is when a sinner responds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blood cleanses our sin and the Holy Spirit moves in. So once our sin has been removed, now the Holy Spirit can inhabit the human spirit and the miracle of regeneration occurs. So we are born again to be what we were intended to be in the beginning. New creatures in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So we were born once into sin and corruption. We were born once into eternal death that is set before all mankind. But we are reborn into the image of God and into eternal life. Last week, we looked at the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6, and we looked at a part of the Sermon on the Mount. But if we back up into chapter 5, more of the opening statements, if you will, of the Sermon on the Mount. In verse number 13, Jesus called us, as children of God, the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Adds flavor. Anything cooked without salt and sugar ain't fit to eat. So, so if we are the salt of the earth as children of God, we ought to be adding some flavor to the things around us. We ought to be making things better. But he went on in verse number 14, and he said that ye are the light of the world. What does light do? Dispels darkness. Where there is light, there can be no darkness. So, so he says that we are to add flavor to things around us. We're, we're to make a difference. He said that, that our very presence should dispel darkness. Now, here in our text, verse number 13 through 17, Peter talks about a, a believer's responsibility of living a holy life. And he bases that on the character of God. He, he says we're to be holy because our God is holy. And, and being reborn, we're to be in the image of God. So Peter points out our responsibility in verse number 14. He says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. So by being born again. We're, we're, we're now born into, we are full-blooded members of the royal family. Anybody like that? We, we are full-blooded members purchased, put into the family through the blood of the Son of God himself. And if we are members of the royal family, we ought to act like it. See, because the Spirit of God lives in us. Change is not only possible, it's necessary. If the Spirit of God is in us, it's not just that change is possible, it's necessary. Our love for the things of the world should be replaced with a love for the things of God. Our, our lust for the former life, you know, the old habits, the old stuff. The, the, those, those things that we did in our ignorance, those things are to be replaced by godly desires. To do things pleasing to God according to the will of God. I read a devotion this week from Billy Graham. 
one of the ones I read, but, but this one, he was talking about taking up our cross. And he said, no one becomes part of a country's military force by just saying they are. They must join up, understanding that it may cost them their life. They swear on an oath to their country. They go through rigorous training, and they wear a uniform that identifies them as being in the military of that country. And as a result, they operate under the commands of the authority. So you and I as Christians, he says, are in the army of God. We didn't become part of that family by just saying we are. We have to join up through the blood of Jesus and surrender our lives to the leadership of the authority. We are to be as obedient children. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Verse number two says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, if God expects us to obey our earthly parents, how much more does he expect us to obey our heavenly father? See, see, God is too wise to allow us to get away with things for very long with disobedience to his authority. So the new life that we have in Christ is the evidence that we have truly been born anew into the family of God. Now, that brings us into our relationship with one another, that we all be one in the family of God. That, that we all be united in Christ. Being born again is the absolute necessity of eternal life. You know, we, we have to be careful when we talk about born again. We have to be careful not to let it just become a, a word or, or phrase that we hear so much that, that it doesn't really carry any importance. You know, being born again is an amazing thing. Being born again is not, not just incredible, but it comes with a lot of perks. There, there's a lot of benefits to being born again. It means that at the time of our rebirth, we receive a new nature. Not, not just any nature, but a divine nature. It means that we become a member of the royal family of God. When the Holy Spirit indwells us, we become joint heirs with Christ, enthroned with him in the heavenlies. To be born again. To be one with God, it means that we rank higher than the angels. Higher than all the principalities of heaven and earth. It means that we're higher than all powers and dominions and, and, and thrones. It means that in due time, we will receive our heavenly bodies. Anybody ready? We're going to receive a heavenly body, which is a glorified body. That means it is sin-free, with no more curse, pain-free. That means no more snap, crackle, pop into your morning. Anybody up my age know exactly what I'm talking about. Sound, sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies trying to get up and stretch out and, and, and get moving. There ain't going to be no more of that. There's not, there's not going to be any more heartache, broken heart. There's not going to be any more suffering. Not going to be any more sickness. There's not going to be any more of this flu and this junk going on. It's, it's a glorified body. We're, we're going to be like Jesus. First John chapter three, verse two says, beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And every man hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So we will be changed to never sin again. 
We're going to be changed so that we have the divine nature of Christ. And everything that the future holds for him, the future holds for us. If we are joint heirs with Jesus, Jesus in the likeness of everything that the future holds for Jesus, the future holds for us. So, so being born again, that, that's a lot more than just a, a couple of words. It's a lot more than just a little cliche that sounds good talking about around a bunch of church people. Being born again is the difference between being saved and being lost. Being born again is the difference between eternal life and eternal torment. See, being born again is the only decision that really matters in this life. Because that's the decision that controls what happens next. Being born again is the one choice that we can make that changes all of our eternity. You may not have controlled the first birth. And you may not can control the, the, the first death. But you can control the second birth, which will control the second death. By, by having the born again means that we're never going to die the second death. You won't be part of that great white throne of judgment in Revelation 21. You won't be part of that when death and hell is cast into the lake of fire and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and outer darkness, separation from God. You won't be part of that because you're no longer part of the second death because you've been born again. See, being born again, that, that, that's why Jesus came, to give us that choice, to give us that that. Hope to give us an eternal life that nothing can take away. No, no matter what you've been told, when you have been born into the family of God, you cannot be taken out. You cannot be stolen away. You cannot remove. You, you cannot take yourself out of that family. So to be born in the family of God is to be into the family of God forever. That's what Christmas was all about. Even before the foundation of the world, it was all put into place so that Jesus came to Bethlehem on his way to Calvary, on his way to the resurrection, on his way to the ascension back to heaven so that he can take us with him. It all started at Christmas. It all started at Bethlehem that you and I have the power to become the sons of God. Amen. So the important question for us this morning is, are you born again? People ask, do you go to church? I go to church. Do you believe in God? I believe in God. The devils believe in fear and tremble. But they're going straight to hell. The, the question is not, are you, are you a member? Do you believe in Christmas? Are you in a Sunday school class? It's a very simple question. And it is the ultimate question that we have to answer. Are you born again? Jesus came looking for you. I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. Tim just said it. If you were the only one, he would have still come looking for you. He made it clear. He said, if a man hath a hundred sheep and one of them is lost, will he not leave the ninety and nine and go search out that one? Jesus came to search out to find you, in your lost state, if you've never been saved, he came, he came looking for all of us. Praise God, he found me. Anybody thankful he found you? <laughs> to seek and to save that which was lost. So the question is, have you trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And have you been born again? I want to ask you guys who would just stand. 
right where you are. Bow your head this morning. I want to ask you to bow your heads for Christians. Just take a minute and thank God for Christmas. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the empty tomb and the resurrection. Thank God that, that you've been born again. Just spend a minute. But would you pray for any soul that may be lost? Maybe they're in here. Maybe they're on live stream. Maybe they've never trusted Christ. If you truly are born again, you have a personal relationship with, Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ. I just want you to slip your hand up right where you are. I am a born again child of the king. I'm a member of the royal family of God, bought with the price. Say thank you, Jesus. So if you couldn't raise your hand, in here, out there, if you couldn't raise your hand, you can change all that. Jesus made it very clear. I came looking for you. I came just for you. I came to seek you out in your lost state that I may save your soul through the blood shed at Calvary's cross. That I may make you what you were intended to be in the first place. That the Holy Spirit of the Father may move into you and make you a child of the King. So you can change it. You can be saved this morning. What a great Christmas. There's nothing you'll do better in a Christmas season than have all your sins washed away. The greatest gift ever. Are you willing where you're at this morning? Live stream, wherever you are. Are you willing to say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm just asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and save my soul that I may be born again. To be born again means you never have to go to hell. That alone, that alone is a good enough reason to get saved. Lord knows, Lord knows we don't want to go to hell. But there's so much more. There's so many perks of being in the family of God. That Christ is always with us and never leaves us and never forsakes us. And he's always there. And he carries us through the valleys and, and through the shadow of death. And through all the things we go through in life. He's always there. If you're just willing to trust him this morning as your personal Lord and Savior.